You are listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Paul Akers is the founder and president of FastCap, a product development company specializing in woodworking tools and hardware for professional builders. He's also the author of Two Second Lean, Lean Health, Lean Travel, Lean Life, and Banish Sloppiness. In 2016, Paul's book, Two Second Lean, was recognized by the Shingo Institute and won the Research and Professional Publication Award. Paul's an energetic speaker whose core passion is helping people discover their full potential and showing others how to implement lean in their business and personal life. Welcome to another episode of Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm excited as heck, so I don't swear, to have Paul Akers on the show uh, with us today. Paul, great to see you again, my friend, and welcome to our Scaling Culture Podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And Paul, I, I was, um, you know, when, when your name came up as a guest, I was really excited. Uh, and, I, and of course, the first time I saw you present and that we met was at Vern Harnish's, uh, I think it's his scaling, um, scaling summit in Florida. Right, and, right. and I always remember, and we talked about this, when you introduced, you know, the lean concept and, and, and what you had done. And I can't remember the stories which you had um, folks at your business take a boarding pass and, and use the concept with the boarding pass. How did you get there? Because what I do remember is that was the nicest boarding pass and boarding passes confused me <laughs> as we're both dyslexic and have ADHD. So tell yeah, me the story yeah, about yeah, the boarding yeah. pass. Yeah, well, it's very simple. Um, the whole concept behind Two Second Lean, what I wrote my book about is fixing what bugs you. So I'm get my boarding pass from Delta. I look at this boarding pass. It's the most convoluted thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, there's, I couldn't figure out where the gate was. I didn't know what time I had to be there. I didn't know what time the boarding, everything was just like convoluted. It was just like, ah, and I I looked, I go, this is BS. I won't swear, but this is BS. So I took my iPhone. This is part of two second lean. And I took a quick picture of it on my knee and I sent it to my graphic design team and they're 23 years old. Uh, uh, Graham and I said, "Can you design a lean boarding pass?" And in 15 minutes, he came back with a lean boarding pass where all the information was laid out in a sequential way across the ticket in the right. order you needed the information and done graphically. So it was just like a kindergarten. You didn't even have to read. A kindergarten could understand what gate, what where you were going, what gate you needed to be at, what time the plane was going to board, where you were going to sit on the plane graphically instead of a number like D. It showed you where D3 was, whether an aisle, a middle, a a window seat. So it was all graphical. And then what time the plane left and it showed the plane flying off. And this is a departure time and what time you arrived. So the person picking you up could get you there on time. You didn't have to extrapolate information. You didn't have to figure it out or there was nothing convoluted. It was just like so simple. Well, he produced that in 15 minutes and the bottom line is, you know, we, we do $30 million a year in business. We're a decent sized company, but we're not a billion dollar company like Delta Airlines. And we did that in 15 minutes and Delta couldn't figure it out if their life depended on it. And the reason why is just one simple thing. And this is the essence of the conversation I think we're going to have today is we can see waste. We can see the waste in struggle. We can see the waste in over-processing, trying to figure out, well, do they mean this? Do they mean that? We can see the waste in ambiguity and confusion and the time it takes to get the information you need, whether you're on a computer screen 
or making something in a manufacturing facility. We see waste. And we see wasted everything, whether it be getting on a plane, whether it be making a doctor's appointment, whether it be making an injection molded part, whether it be designing a product as you and I were talking off camera, it doesn't matter. We see the waste in every process. And then we are absolute maniacs about getting rid of waste. And that's how we do it. So I'm going to go back to this because I love this. Look, we send it to our graphic designers who understand the theory of, of two-second lean. Right. But, but isn't it really challenging? Isn't the challenge really, you know, if you, if you think about regular companies like Delta Airlines, I believe that's who you had said, right. they're already in it. We're in the weeds. So how do we get to the outside? How do we get the customer's perspective? Because we're in the weeds. It's very hard to change your perspective. Is, is it not? Cause you're well, in it. it is it is so let's let's talk about the real issue of what you've just brought up how do you get out of the weeds two second lean and lean thinking deep lean thinking is for this small little sliver of people in the world two percent it is not for 98 percent of the people in the world why so that's you know, good, good question. So the Japanese word for why is nande, 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 nande. Nande me, nande me, Paul. Because I spend a lot of time in Japan. The reason why is because lean thinkers are not satisfied people. They feel that they're not good enough. They, they don't think they know it all. They feel like, ah, gosh, there's got to be a better way. Non-lean thinkers think, I went to school, I went to Harvard, I went to, you know, got my university degree, I keep climbing the ladder, I keep making more money, I have a nice car. You know, what I'm doing is pretty good. I, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I, I, I'm pretty good, man. I, I know what I'm doing. I got a podcast. I got a nice company. Uh, you know, I'm making lots of money. I'm making six figures. You know, I'm pretty good. Non-lean thinkers think to themselves, I'm Right. That's it. And I know that as good as I am, and to be honest with you, I'm very good compared to most people. I am. Right. Because I know the real standard. Mm. And I am so bad, it is unbelievable in everything I do. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but you, you adapted this concept. And so, so you know, can, can you convert someone? To, to being no, a lean third, you can't. You so you're cannot. saying, look, this is just 2%. You can't adapt No, yeah, what you can do is you can reveal the thinking to a wide group of people, and then those 2% will go, that's what I've been looking for. That's it. I, that's, I, I get it. And then they will pull right. the information from you. Not push. You can, The minute you start pushing this on anyone you lost it's over with so you present and it's but let's say i joined your company Pre show me what that what does that look like so oh, i've joined your company today and you're going to present the the concept what's that i just joined Ron, you Ron, gosh great question ready for this you could not join my company unless you pass a litmus test Okay. So we would never have you at our company unless you had the correct characteristics because we wouldn't even go through the process of trying to push this on. Right, because it's, it's not going to work. Insanity. 
So even our hiring process is so lean, so contrarian to the way every other company in the world does it, it'll blow you away, it'll shock you. Because I tell people this and they look at me like, oh, no way. First of all, we don't accept any resumes. First, contrarian thinking. It's all BS. It's all lies. You spend all your time putting down all this crap trying to convince me you're someone you really aren't. Agreed. So the first thing we do when you want to work for our company is you have to take out your phone and hold it horizontally, not vertically. If you hold it vertically, you fail. We say, very simply, we have a video of me. I do the video. Hold it horizontally and tell me about yourself in one to two minutes and send it to me on WhatsApp or text message. No email. Email is for stupid people. It's old, it's slow, it's cumbersome. So we're already putting all these things out there that find out whether or not they're willing to change their mind. So if we want people that are willing to, whoa, I never thought about that, let's try something new. If you're not one of those people that likes to try something new, you ain't gonna work here. So let's go back to the two minutes because what's going to tell you whether I want, what am I saying that's going to make you say, whoa, line of sand, Ron, you're out or wow, you're in. What's the attribute you're looking for? You're asking very good questions. I'm Canadian. Humility, Canadian, humility, curiosity, uh, not telling me how great they are. Just giving me a background of themselves and just really expressing a, a, a degree of humility in the way they present themselves. And if they do that, we go, bring them on down. And then, Ron, the next thing we do that blows everyone away is we do an interview. And if they still seem like the person that they presented themselves in the video, which 99% of the time that is the case. So the video does a great job. Then we offer them a test day. Then they work in our facility with our people for one day. And at the end of the day, we don't bring them in. We bring the people who work with them in. And if we don't have a 100% unanimous that they want to work with these people and they have the right attitude, they're asking the right questions and they're curious, humble, then we don't 100%, we don't hire. If they are, if we get 100%, we have five people in here and they say, yes, definitely, yes, yes, yes. We offer them a test week. Then we really watch them. Now, everyone in the company is watching them, working with them. We're putting them in different departments. We're putting them in all different environments. And we're simply looking for a person that asks great questions, someone who's humble, someone who's curious, willing to learn, fits in with our culture that's very supportive. Nobody's being critical. Everyone calls each other by their name all the time. It's just this really amazing environment. And if they just thrive in that environment, they go, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for my whole life, they get the job. And then, fit. of course, at the end of the week, 100% again. So it's not me that's hiring them. It's our people. And I love that. But Paul, I was shocked that you didn't say what I thought you were going to say. And I love what you said, by the way, but I thought you were going to say, and Ron, almost like Toyota, as we've you know mm-hmm. read about at the end of the day, the week, you have to tell us three things that you would lean, uh, add, add, add two second lean to what, yeah, yeah, what yeah, improvements yeah. would you make? You're not doing well, that. The, the answer is Ron, they've already been doing that the whole time. And that's what we're doing. They're, they're making improvements. They're learning the philosophy of never being satisfied. Everything can be improved. So they've, they've already done all that, but it's a good point, but they've, they've already, they've already been doing Got it. it. They're completely immersed in the culture already. But, 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 so I'm going to go back. I'm going to walk this through. So I land there. People like me. I'm immersed in the culture. 
is there a process? How do I get to the stage of the, uh, the graphic designer that you sent the ticket to? And then I know I'm going to say, okay, I have to keep it simple. Walk us through the process, the mindset that I have to be in to achieve lean. Because there's got to oh, be. That's great. Yeah, it was a really simple criteria. Again, everything we do, Ron, is super, super simple. So when we make an improvement, there are four criteria to the improvement. And the, the, the starting point before we'll take the four and we'll put them aside. The first okay. starting point is fix what bugs you. So first of all, you've got fix something what that irritates you. Yeah, fix what bugs you. So there's something that irritates you. For instance, let me see if I have it right here. I think I do. This is my sleep mask because I'm getting on the plane. Okay. So this is a thing that I wear to bed every night. It's blue, Bluetooth. You know, I put this bad boy on like oh, this wow. and it's wonderful, love it. right? I love it. Got on Amazon's greatest thing in the whole world. I showed the people people love. Now, the problem is it's Bluetooth and you got to charge it. So they have this little cord that pulls out right here. And then, you know, it's just, it's just a pain in the butt. Every night I got to tuck it in. So I took a little super glue and super glued it right there so that it's always exactly in the same place. So when I go to plug it in, I'm never hunting you didn't for lose it. I'm it. pushing it. I'm not losing it. Right. And so that bugged me. It bugged me every morning that I was dealing with that. So I fixed what bugs me. So now let's go through the four criteria based on my sleep mask. I've never done this before, but I just okay. did it because it's right in front of me. You ready? So the first thing is safety. When we make an improvement, if we impair safety, then we're not going to do it. So did me gluing that little thing on the edge of that create any safety thing? No, not at all. And if we did it on the airline, ticket is the airline ticket less safe because of the way we organize the thing actually it's more safe because as i say in the presentation remember i'm not going to have a heart attack so more people are going to live because i'm not going to miss my plane stress okay? levels are down a little, little funny right but okay so there's no safety issue the next thing is then the most important criteria in reality and that we're really looking for as lean thinkers is to improve quality so did this improve the quality of the product well you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not more comfortable. It's not less comfortable. It's not, uh, it, the Bluetooth doesn't work any better. So I, maybe the only possible criteria that, that could say quality is it's easier to plug in, you know, and it is easier to plug in. So in, in a small way, yes, I improved the quality a little bit. Okay. The, ne the next thing is simplicity. Is it simpler, this improvement? way simpler, way simpler than pushing that thing in every day, pushing it out every night and doing all the stuff that I've done way simpler. Right. And the last criteria of the four is time. Does it save time? So everyone thinks lean is about going faster, faster, faster. No, 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 no. It's the least important of all the criteria that our people evaluate. We certainly care about it because we want to reduce costs and improve quality, but quality trumps speed. Quality always wins. Right. Is it faster? Well, it is. is. Yeah, it is because faster. you get to the cord faster now. So, so I basically safety's not an issue. Quality's kind of so-so a little bit, a little bit. It's definitely simpler and it's definitely faster. So, of four of the criteria, two of them are strong, positive yes on this improvement, and that's right. how we evaluate everything we do, and it's that simple. But the the the, the I feel like. Because this can also be used um, for not just a product like you're holding. This can be used for a technology. This can be used for, for a system, correct? Like, really? so I've got this complex system, policies, procedures. You know, am I going to make a change that's going to allow it to be safer or is it going to impede safety? 
see right. the impact quality and increase it. Because simplicity, and, and we both know Vern Harnish, and I think it's him who says this question, as we scale companies, unfortunately, we make things more complex. The real question is, how do you simplify as you scale? And this process seems to be the, uh, a movement in the right well, direction. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you how you do that, because it's very simple, because we've, we've mastered that. I told you the size company we are. We do tens of millions of dollars of business. We have no HR department, no marketing department, no sales department, no maintenance department. No financial department. What department How do you could have? That, what? What, we, what do you have? What's we, left? We, we you, you're the department. We basically don't have all that stuff because we summarily, this is how this is the answer to Bernd Harnish's question. How do you scale up and not let complexity become this suffocating octopus that comes right. around you? The first thing you, need, you do is you need to summarily reject the way everyone else has done it. And that's what we did. When people said, oh, well, you know, you're about that size, you need to get an HR department now. We said, why? Why? Why, why do we need an HR department? What does an HR department do? What is the purpose of an HR department? Right? To create harmony in a company, to find good, good talent, to discipline and deal with people that are, that are stepping out of bounds? Well, first of all, we found the, most, the best way in the world to bring harmony to our company, hire the right people. Number two, the second thing is train them correctly, like intensely on a daily basis, right? Communicate, over, you know, overtly communicate on the shop floor and with one another. So we do that already. So what's the HR department for? Right. Right? So we just, we tear everything apart. As you were saying about this design, what was it called? Design thinking. Uh, design, thinking. design thinking. We tear everything apart and we ask why, why, why? As we were talking non-day, 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 non-day. Why, 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 why? And we do it on everything. So a maintenance department, we don't have a maintenance department because we teach all of our people how to maintain their own equipment, how to maintain everything. We, we spend 30 minutes every day maintaining the entire company. Everyone is involved in maintenance on a daily basis. Before we ever work, we spend 30 minutes 3Sing. So why do we need a maintenance department? We don't need a maintenance right. department. And who's better equipped to know whether or not something's not working than the people who are working with it, than an outside department that has to come in and evaluate it? And so, so how do you keep things um, aligned? So for instance, you walk on the shop floor and you notice something that has to do with lean. How do you position that to a staff member? Because you want them to buy into maybe your idea or or that you've seen something that maybe they're too close to, how do you transfer that knowledge to, to an employee um, versus just saying, hey, I've just noticed this, hey, hey, add the glue to the thing right now? Okay, well, there's two ways we do it, Rod. Number one is every day before we work, we have a meeting. We're going to have one in a, a couple of minutes here at 7 o'clock, 7.30 we'll start. And every day we meet as a team, all 50 of us, and we talk about these concepts. Steps. We, we evaluate our problems. We look at our improvements. Six people show us their improvements that they make every day. We study Tai Chi Ono's principles, the founder of the Toyota production system. We, we study Edward Deming's principles, the ones who taught Toyota how to do what they're doing. And sorry, Paul, so just quickly, when you say study, I, I joined your company today. Do I have to read the book? What does that look like? Oh, yeah. You, wouldn't, you would never even, we wouldn't even hire you until you've read my book. So you have to read the book before you even get hired to find out whether right. or not you could buy into the philosophy. Then every morning we have a, a powerful keynote presentation, university style. In my, in my opinion, Ron, don't get me wrong, better than Harvard. 
better than Beautiful. Harvard, blows Harvard away, not even close. People would come here and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I just experienced. So high level, we study history. We study the Constitution of the United States. We study one of Deming's principles, one of Tai Chi Ono's principles. It's intense. It's, it's, it's full on. Wow. And that happens every day before we ever work. So before we've ever worked, the first hour, we have three S and clean and maintain the entire facility. You saw it. It's, it's immaculate. Beautiful. Everything's perfect here. It's perfect. Everything is perfect. It looks brand new. It looks better than brand new. And it's six years old. Okay. So that happens. And then we have a meeting. We have our university style meeting. So we have so intensely trained people to be able to see any problem, any defect, anything that's going to ride, and then train them intellectually about the concepts and the philosophy about what we believe in. I mean, the rest of the day is just, it's a piece of cake. And is that, is that, is that right across the board? I know you don't have, uh, you know, different departments, but all employees and stakeholders in this business are, are encouraged to think this way. And this is what you, no, we it's all need. Hundred percent, it's a hundred percent or nothing. It's a hundred percent or nothing. It, 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 you will not survive here if you're not on board with this at all. And so I know a lot of people that hear that are wondering, oh, okay, I'm in the employee. Am I, am I graded every quarter on this monthly is a review? This is Ron, you know, you, you fine. You, you seem to be curious and humble, but you haven't found anything here. Well, how do you, how do you, mm. how do you make, how do you drive to accountability, Paul? Yeah, it's impossible for them not to find anything because they're in this soup where everybody's finding everything. They, they so quickly adapt to the way and they love it because who could you name one person, Ron, that doesn't want to fix what bugs them? that doesn't want to solve the problems that bug them. No. Is there, can you ever heard of a person really that would well, have a problem that bothers them that wouldn't, that wouldn't want it fixed and solved? No, but what I could say is I know lots of people that don't have the get up and the drive. The yeah, curiosity no, no. Oh, I understand it. that. Yeah. But, but, but when they're in the culture where you're permitted to do that, you have the resources to do that. You have the time to do that. You have the people that can help you do that. You don't know how to run a screw gun. You don't know how to work a saw. You don't know how to make weld something. You don't know how to run a CNC machine. You don't know how to run a, uh, a stereolithography machine or a 3D modeling machine. We have the resources. So if you can dream about something, we have the people that can support you. Now, what happens when you're in an environment where you think and it comes to reality? Well, that, that environment, you know, that if I feel safe that I can improve you know, implement, put my glue on the, uh, the headset. I, then that, that's a thriving environment. I can really, if I'm supported, it. but, but let me go, let me you go answer the question, Ron. That's, that, that's how we do it. So the way you create a culture like this is you create a real culture like this. If you don't talk about it, it isn't, you know, yeah, we want to do the lean thing, but we have invested millions of dollars to make, to develop this culture so that it is self-sustaining. And, and so I, I have a question because it sounds like, and we always talk about giving people the autonomy. And of course, in my past business in private security, everybody, you know, there was this talk of autonomy, but private security is command control. And we told everybody, ask yourself three questions before you do anything. Is it the right thing for the customer? Yes or no. Right thing for our business based on our purpose values. And are you willing to be accountable? You're for uh, your safety, quality, simplicity. Um, speed. Those seem and speed. Those seem to be the guardrails. So, and my question is, if someone says, "Look, 
Paul, it checks these boxes. Is it an automatic go ahead and do it? Or hold on, let's have someone else look at this to see if there's a better way. You know, not what's quite my autonomy? automatic, close, close to automatic, Ron, but not fully automatic because there are, let's say there's stakeholders. Let's say there's eight other people that are working in a particular department that are affected by the improvement. You just want to get those eight people and say, hey, this is what I want to do. Do you have any thoughts on that? And we work very well collaboratively. There's nobody saying, oh, that's not my idea. No, there's none of that. And they say, yeah, well, or I tried that and it just didn't work. You might want to consider this. And then once we get the stakeholders involved, rock and roll. And then we love failure. So we don't have a problem with them running the experiment. We say, just run the experiment. Who cares? If you fail, it doesn't matter because you really didn't fail. Because what you did do is you learned what didn't work and what did work. And that sets you up better for the next improvement or for the next experiment. So in your experiment with the headset, maybe you, someone's, you, you're an employee, someone's go ahead, put the glue on, and then the glue didn't stick to that. It was the right adhesive. So, so that's right. what we learned. We're going to add a right. new Right, sure, glue. absolutely. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so it does seem like free-flowing. It's not a, oh, you know, big time, right? Big right. time free-flowing, big time, no, not rigid at all. And, the only and, thing and, I would say that is rigid about our company is the absolute adherence to a couple concepts. We will 3S or clean the entire facility every day and make an improvement. That is rigid. It will not ever move. We will teach and train our people every day. That is rigid. It will not move. We will always leave everything better than we found it in respect to the other person. So when you walk into our bathrooms, they're, they're better than the Ritz-Carlton. They're better than the White House. They're, they're absolutely perfect Beautiful. because that is in respect to the next person. So yes, there is rigidity, but in the way the company just generally operates on a daily basis, total freedom. I love that. I, I love that. And so um, let me go back to the employee journey because you talked about the screening, um, you know, the, the initial video. Is there a is there a particular onboarding that you do that is very different from other people? I know that onboarding in some cases, if what you t sounds like, I spend some time on the floor. Is there anything else that drives um, what you're talking about in onboarding? Like, so maybe it's, I have to read the book as part of onboarding. What else is part yeah. of onboarding? You know, that's a good question. People always say, you know, what, 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 what do you do for orientation. And I said, they're so orientated, it's self-orientated. It's like, you know, it's like the wind. Have you ever been in a wind tunnel where, you know, I, I do skydiving, where you're a wind tunnel where all the air is focused to make you fly straight up. Right. Uh, the, 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 they are so orientated because all the energy is focused to support this way of thinking. It's automatic. It's automatic because they're immediately immersed in the 3S scene every day. They're immediately immersed in the morning meeting. They're immediately immersed in when they're working out there. There's always a, a, a team lead that's there to help them and encourage them, support them in their, in their thinking and their improvements. And everyone is doing the same thing. So uh, the orientation is just like, it's, it's, it's that self-supported, it's that wind tunnel where all the energy is going the right direction right. to support them. And, and, and I want to go back to make sure I'm clear for everyone else, but it sounds like this, <coughs> you know, two second lean, there's no training. We are looking for attributes of humility, humility and curiosity, which should drive someone to do that. And then they're kind of, you know, the tribe that they're joining is, 
is are doing those things so they feel very comfortable, very safe mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in executing. Right. Did I miss anything or does that make sense? No, that's it. It's, it's a very simple model. You know, yeah. we say we hire for character. We teach for skill. I can teach anybody how to do anything. You can give me the most complex thing in the world and I can teach anybody to do anything. We want your character. We're concerned about your attitude, the way you view other people, the way you view yourself, the way you view learning, the way you view change. These are the, these are the characteristics that are so critical. These are the attributes. Yeah, I love that. Um, anything else we haven't talked about that you think is valuable for, for those who are listening that want to incorporate this type of culture in their work environment? Anything that we haven't talked about, Paul? Yeah, there are two things. There, there is one thing for sure, and that all this change never happens unless the leader at the top is fully engaged in the transformation. So we say there are three criteria to create a transformative culture. The leader at the top must be fully engaged in the transformation. The leader at the top must be fully engaged in the transformation. The leader at the top must be fully engaged in the transformation. It cannot be delegated. You can't hire a lean specialist and say, hey, I want you to do this lean thing. This is a mistake I made because it's what I, I did and what I wanted to do. You go hire the consultants, you're making a massive mistake. This is something you need to buy it. The leader has to own it. And you have to own it. You have to live it. You have to breathe it. You have to learn it. You have to become the expert at it. So that's the first thing, the leader at the top. The second thing is you must understand that all the ideas must be generated from the bottom up, so to speak. You need to trust first. You need to trust your people that they can do this. But really, you can't trust your people until you train your people. So everyone says, how do you trust your people? Well, I trust my people because they're so well-trained. So it takes months and months to get to do the training and to get people up to speed and the consistency. And once you start to do that and your people will start to click, I lay this all out in my book, the whole thing. You know, the first three months is hell. You're making this massive change in your company. Everyone looks at you like you're some crazy Martian. And then after three months, they start to see and feel the benefits of these little changes. After six months, you're going, wow, this is really a good direction. Nine months, you guys are almost on fire. And in one year, you'll have people visiting your organization around the world going, what the hell is going on there? And, and I want to go back to the first point, though, of leader, because let's just say I'm a branch manager in an inter- for an international company. It's a group of restaurants, and I've got, you know, the CEO is in uh, Toronto right? And I'm here. If I'm the leader locally, can I implement this for my team? Oh, absolutely. You can. Uh, you know, you, the leader at a location like you just described has a degree of autonomy. They don't have total autonomy, but they have a right. lot of autonomy. And to whatever extent they have control and they have the autonomy and they have the influence and power, then you should do it to that extent. So what I tell people is this. People come to me and say, well, I'm really not responsible for anyone. I've got like three people in my department. Then that's the only thing you need to worry about is the three people in your department. And then people can say to me, I have no one in my department. Guess what, Rod? Don't worry about anybody. Just worry about yourself. If you, become, you. if you become a great lean thinker, it's the laws of nature say and demand that you will be elevated. And the more you more effective you become in a lean thinker in everything you touch from the way you communicate to people, the way you put your eye mask on to the way you build your widgets to the way you deliver information to people if everything is done demonstrably at a higher level than everybody else in the organization 
The laws of nature say you will be elevated. It is impossible. It's the way the ecosystem works. And as you rise up, you'll gain more and more influence. And if you do a better and better job, you will become the president of the company. I feel like there needs to be a mic drop after that. Can you drop something, Paul? That was very powerful. Can you just do a mic drop for us? Yeah, beautiful. Paul, thank you for your time. That was awesome. I really appreciate um, your experience and your energy as well. You obviously believe in this, have executed it, you live it. Uh, It's awesome. Uh, uh, There's a ton of good in this. So thank you once again for your time. My pleasure, my pleasure. For more information on Paul Akers and everything else related to scaling culture, please see the show description for details. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest.